people put their brains in funny states and have ideas that they don't feel like are their own ideas, even though they are. Trying to know things for sure that you can't know for sure, and pretending like it isn't a choice. But David, one plus one equals two. Cool. What's one and what's two? I feel like it's easy to get kind of defeatist about that and say, well, if I can't be objective, then what's the point? Philosophers. Philosophers. All right, David, what are we talking about today? Today, we're going to talk about what is. Indeed. And what is because we said so. So objectivity then. Yes, and subjectivity. Because, you know, that's how things work. Compliments. Mm-hmm. Wow, we're doing a real philosophy episode today. Yes. Um, this feels like something that should have been an early episode, but was not. I yeah. feel like it's been on... Something to do with this has been on the topic stack for a long time. And we're finally doing it. Yeah. Except that we're not doing that thing. We're just doing it a, an adjacent thing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think it's important because I think we talk a lot about how that's just like your opinion, man. Um, yes. Because there are a lot of things that people love to claim are just straight up objectively true. Yes. When they're not. And I think we do a lot of calling out that you're actually just being subjective or this this thing that you take as objective is actually just a group a group of us have just kind of all happened to subjectively it agree. It is very easy to confuse the consensus for the truth. Yes. Um, and I feel like we mentioned this uh, a couple of episodes ago about how, like, if you if you take the position that like murder isn't objectively wrong, then people will accuse you of thinking that murder is okay because, of course, it's objectively wrong. We all agree it is, and it's like, but that's literally subjective right mm -hmm. we agreeing on something that's what subjective means yeah like i think that this is one of those places where i'm looking at wikipedia and it has subjectivity and objectivity philosophy and article and i think it does a pretty good job of breaking that out um i'm actually going to go ahead and read some of it um it it, it talks about how dis Distinguishing between the two things is a basic idea of philosophy and then says here's the list of things in which it is frequently discussed yeah but it goes on to say that quote something is subjective if it is dependent on a mind and it gives examples biases perception emotions opinions imagination or conscious experience but you can full stop at it's subjective if it is dependent on a mind and something is objective if it can be confirmed independently of a mind. Confirmed? Yes. That's a weird word to choose because only minds can confirm things. Oh, we're stepping into the realm of <laughs> metaphysics where we have to use our minds to escape a mind. Yeah, metaphysics, which don't exist as far as we know. Sure. Um, but it goes on to say that if a claim is true when considering it outside the viewpoint of a sentient being, then it is labeled objectively true. Scientific objectivity is practicing science while intentionally reducing partiality, biases, or external influences, 
moral objectivity is the concept of moral or ethical codes being compared to one another through a set of universal facts or a universal perspective and not through differing conflicting perspectives and then it has journalistic objectivity which i don't really care to read because right. it's not um so it is interesting that it even goes so far as to call out the difference between scientific objectivity and moral objectivity because well, because moral objectivity isn't scientific right um because yeah to claim to claim moral objectivity you either have to say that morality is a fundamental property of nature or as it alluded to there you need to like assume like a universal perspective but isn't that a mind and didn't we decide that that is what makes it subjective sure like it's subjective according to god's opinion basically like but it's still an opinion (laughs) right because even going back to the is something subjective it says it's dependent on the mind and perception was one of the things that listed so perceptions are used in perspectives you know and so any i I think this kind of the 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 key off question here is that can a mind escape itself like can you consider something outside of a mind right like for example it's kind of like the more way more complicated version of the tree falling in the woods but no one's there to hear it we all know what a tree fall. Well, we may not all know this, but we all have a pretty good idea of what a tree falling down sounds like, mm-hmm. right? But we've all, but we've never not witnessed a tree falling and heard it. You know what I mean? Never not witnessed a tree falling and heard it. So I mean, I can hear things that I'm not looking at. Witnessing doesn't just mean seeing, yeah. though. We, we have never perceived something we haven't perceived, which is a tautology. Right. Yeah, it's a tautology, yeah. Um, but that's kind of also, I think, what is trying to be said when you're trying to assume a objective moral standard is that you can't, you can't have a, what is it, what is the, what is the words they used here? A uh, universal perspective. Like, you can't have one. Like we are not you capable. You cannot have one. Yes, and neither can anyone who does philosophy. Right. No, no. Yeah. No human being can. If we wanted to suppose a god, then maybe the god could have a universal perspective by knowing everything. Right. Which that's kind of why a lot of religions go so far to assert things. Right. Like in Christianity, it's not enough that Jesus was a good prophet. He had to be God to have a universal perspective too. Mm. And I'm not saying that that was built in at the time and why that yeah, was the case. there's a whole history there. But it, but that, if you, if you take that to be true, then it's, it's one step further than saying the prophet, right? The, the prophet doesn't have the universal perspective, but they heard the universal perspective directly from God. And you just had to take it on faith that it's true. Mm-hmm. Unless God reveals himself unto you and then gives you insight to his universal perspective um but that's i think the big thing the big issue we have a lot of times when you and i discuss religion is that i don't believe you right and if i can't and and you can't just tell me that well i swear bro like it's true yeah just trust me bro yeah yeah no i don't actually yeah yeah and a lot of religions even go so far as to say that god will reveal himself to you in some way there's there's kind of this pivotal moment where everyone talks about what it's like to have the universal perspective and 
I would go so far as to say that this is why churches and religions have to focus so much on iconography and like the music and the mood and the moment is because we're trying to make people feel something. And because feelings are about the furthest thing from objectivity, you know, uh, yeah, the chemicals in your brain are objective, but sure. But the feels are not, but the feelings are also irrational. Yes. So it kind of tricks our rational sense into saying, well, I did not come up with this. It must have been the universal perspective. Like, I think that's yes. the, the game that's being played there. Yes. This is also the same stuff that's said by people who like trip on mushrooms or whatever and think that they have seen the universal perspective or whatever. Right. It's yeah, it's this is not exclusive to religion. No. People put their brains in funny states and have ideas that they don't feel like are their own ideas, even though they are. Right. Um, yeah. But I think that just goes to show how far trapped we know we are in our objectivity. Or, in, sorry, in our in subjectivity. Our subjectivity. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. As human beings, we cannot escape our subjective experience. Right. Everything, even the seemingly objective world around you is actually just your subjective experience that's not to say that's that's not to say that solipsism is true uh, i guess for those who don't know solipsism is like the bo the belief that the entire world around you is just an illusion being put on you um but it could be and <laughs> but it could be and you you <laughs> cannot know yeah you you actually have no way of knowing that anything you've ever experienced in life is actually real Mm -hmm. and, and then you just dip down into nihilism from that point forward which it's it has a sad name but it, it's kind of the only thing that i think that it's one of the few things that as a philosophy you can lean on that's kind of objectively true it, like we cannot perceive beyond our ability of perception mm -hmm. and that is something that i don't think you even need to scientifically prove i just think that it's something that is tautologically true Brief, brief aside about solipsism. Okay. I think there's a case to be made that solipsists are the only, like, truly immoral people. Okay. Go on. I want to hear this. Cause I, we, we're going to have plenty of time for this topic. I can already tell. So well, because a, solipsism, uh, a, a solipsist does not believe that you're real, and therefore you have no moral value to a solipsist. Hmm. But could they not assign you a moral value because they want to? Or is that also not okay because the the universe is a figment of the solipsist's imagination and yeah i mean yes they might treat you in a seemingly moral way because they want to um but there's nothing there's nothing philosophically stopping them from doing whatever because they want to right because they're they're basically like the ultimate moral nihilists yeah nothing nothing matters because it's all just a game that i'm playing and you're not even real you're just a character in but, my story but is the solipsist real to the solipsist yes uh cogito ergo sum the solipsist knows that he is real but the world before him is not necessarily so but is anything that the solipsist conceives to be real then real or can the solipsist it's on illusion or it could be but they're in control control of the illusion well they don't know necessarily that they're in control of the illusion either interesting yeah because the classic the classic you know idea of solipsism is is that like there is a an evil 
like wizard or whatever who is who is who has put you in the illusory realm that you call your life um and 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 is playing like some some trick on you to make to make you have all these experiences and 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 go through life but really you're you know in a vat or whatever or it doesn't matter mm. or maybe maybe you don't even have the human form that you think you do right yeah well just everything outside of this illusion the only world. the only fact that you have is that you exist right and that you can think about things that's the only that's the only stuff that you know yeah that is interesting i don't think it's true well no i don't i'm not a solipsist yeah but it is interesting and well, i it would be very interesting if i had said that solipsists are the only immoral people and then said that i was a solipsist <laughs> well is it that they're immoral or are they amoral people because they, can they even be moral if they're the only thing that's real? Yeah, I guess that's the thing. They don't believe that they necessarily even exist in a moral context. Yeah. So it's more that they're just amoral, which to someone in a moral framework... I guess, I guess really what I'm saying... Yeah, they're amoral and dangerous. Yeah. Psychopathic, maybe. Even if they're not actual psychopaths, they could exhibit psychopathic behavior mm -hmm. philosophically. Rather than philosophical psychopath, <laughs> I'm a psychopath on principle. Oh wow! <laughs> okay, enough of that. Enough of that. Um, I guess the first thing I wanted to talk about this, though, since we're talking a little bit about objectivity, or not, um, why does it seem though that we want to appeal to that? Like, for example. Why is it that people love to claim that their truth is objective? Like, why does that matter so much? Well, because then you can't be questioned. Um, really? The same people that do that question objective reality all the time, I feel like. What do you mean? Like, for example, um, I can assume... I think... Well, let's... Well, I think we need to do our due diligence. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to table this immediately. Okay. <laughs> Because uh, we need to get down to brass tacks about what is even objective. Um, because this definitions we gave is not very helpful. Um, yeah. It's just something that is confirmed independently outside of a mind, which, cool, who? Who's doing that confirming? Right. Show me the thing without a mind that can confirm anything. So for, for me, if someone asked me what, what does objective mean, I would say something like something that's true whether you experience it or not. Right. Um. Right. Something, something that's true regardless of anybody's experiences um yeah like if, if all human beings were to if all sentient life were to just cease instantly what would still be true right like the gravitational constant that's still a thing yeah yeah speed of light still unless we're just completely wrong about gravity which i guess we might be but you know if we pretend that newtonian physics is true sure the gravitational constant is just an objective fact about the universe and whether we are here to measure it or not gravity behaves in a certain way right um water boiling at a certain temperature at a certain pressure it's pretty objective right that's just a property of water yeah yeah and uh, that's just inherent to it regardless of observation yeah water it could it could not be any other way yeah there, there is water boiling all over the universe probably um, at certain at the right pressure and temperature and it just does that regardless of whether anyone cares that it does or not right um now obviously if you're a solipsist you stand up and go well actually um the moment i cease to exist reality caves in on itself it's like yeah well right 
I think this is the interesting thing is that we all kind of have to, well, is there anything subjective about even agreeing though, what the objective truths are, you know, about that? Yes. Cause we have to kind of assume, cause even for me to say, imagine all of us, all sentient life or all life itself, even, which I don't think you need to go that far, but it, it, it should or prove whatever. the point, but if you pull it all out of reality, well, no one's there to observe anything, but Let's do what every philosopher loves to do and pretend that we can and be that objective mm-hmm. universal We're going to be magic now. Yep. Yeah, we're going to be these magic observers uh, that it all just keeps running. Well, mm-hmm. I think there are plenty of people that would say something to the tune of like, well, God's still there, which we're pretending to be in this case. And the only reason water boils at that temperature is because God said so. And it's like, well, but at that point, we're outside of the frame and it doesn't matter, right? Right. Well, now, yeah, th- well, then we're also getting into metaphysics, right? Why is physics the way it is? Right. And I think, on the one hand, unless it changes, and I, when I say that, I know there are a lot of people that are going to whip out their science textbooks from the 1950s and say, well, yeah, what about all these changes? I think we're going down a rabbit hole. Let's go. Well, uh, hold on. I, I think I know what you're going to say, but like we're going down this rabbit hole. The, the thing is, is that I'm not talking about what is the scientific, the scientific literature can change, but the yeah, fund, our um, consensus about the facts can change. Yeah. Yeah. But the facts didn't change. No. The universe itself didn't change. We just learned more about it. Right. And so, and that's the thing I'm trying to get at here is that like, yeah, splitting an atom yields the same results, whether we knew it did or not. Right. Period. So the fact that we just didn't know that doesn't mean it wasn't happening until we knew it. Um, wormholes either can exist or they can't and we don't know and we don't know right um and so the whole argument about well god could just change the god has a control panel with the physics numbers on it and he can just change these constants and just turn the dials yeah yeah sure okay um but if he doesn't i think the same the, the same frame of reference is fine right assuming god doesn't change the dials which a how does it even work with time right but Beyond that question being answered, you know, one of two things is true. We would have some way of knowing or we would have some way or we we wouldn't. Right. But either way, if we... It's true, though. It's true, though. Yeah. At all points in time, even if the rules... Yeah, the rules of the universe could be changing constantly. They they aren't, apparently. But again, imagine we live in a universe where the rules are constantly changing, right? There aren't... and, And we just have no hope. Supposing that life could even emerge in a universe like that. Um... We, we just have no hope of ever identifying a pattern because every time we start to get a grasp on it, the rules change in unpredictable and incomprehensible ways. Right. It doesn't matter. That stuff happening is all real, objectively real. Sure. Um, so like, having acknowledged that, the endeavor to understand it and manipulate it in ways that we want to, which science is the understanding of why things happen and looking at the predictability of patterns almost entirely so that we can manipulate it later. Like, I, I don't know that there's ever really been a true scientist that just wants to know. There may have been, but I don't think humanity has ever just been curious and then not made a change in its decisions based on some discovery. I think every discovery we've ever made has led to the new opportunities of choices that we can then take to yeah. use it in some way. We have goals. Yes. And knowing the objective truth is a great instrument to achieving your goals. Yep. So I think taking that off the table now, because that would be true regardless of, well, the only way that wouldn't still be the case is if we knew that things just changed all the time. And then at that point, 
what's the point in pursuing it anyway? And if you're going to come right. back to convince the, me that we the, still the should. Out, the outcome in the future is essentially random at that point. Sure. Right. Um, and if we don't know it, well, why would we ever stop trying? And if we do know it, well, if it doesn't change often for us to not try anyway, we would still try. And if it's changing so frequently that we can't tell, we would still keep trying. Like, no matter what how what configuration of options you set here, we're still doing it. So I think for the sake of argument, it is good enough to just assume that to be true. Right. And because otherwise, what's the point? You know, uh, you can't prove it anyway, you mm-hmm. know, and no one believes you and no one behaves that way. So sure technically god could be up there just smashing his fingers all over the control dial all the time changing all the things and somehow magic through god that it doesn't that life can somehow just adapt and migrate these changes between each instance and we just go on never knowing the difference who cares like our perception of that never changed either right or it did and we don't remember and in that case it doesn't matter because we still have seemingly persistent knowledge as far as we know the predictions keep working yeah yeah so it literally doesn't matter um and i think that maybe is kind of as far as objective as we can get is that if the predictions keep working to a satisfactory degree something is kind of just taken to be objectively true and i think we can operate as if it is objectively true until we find contradictory evidence yeah right and you know i think what's interesting about that is that's not that different from our beliefs either. Mm-hmm. Um, like we had a really good episode. I felt like a long time ago about free will, mm-hmm. which subjectivity and objectivity come up a lot. I think it might discussion. have been like episode two or something. Like it, uh, no, not it. I know what episode two was. Anyway, it was really early. <laughs> right. And I think if you don't know, and I think we can briefly recap it, we kind of came to the conclusion that it's okay to operate as though it is true because it doesn't matter really to you as a society it might matter but if we're trying to achieve the same outcomes it's okay whether we should strive to achieve an outcome regardless of whether it's true or not mm-hmm. and the things we would do would still work in both cases their moral values might change but not significantly enough for us to really care or matter right and that's it's kind of funny how that's the same way as us coming to the scientific consensus about gravitational constants right even if it's not a hundred percent true and the predictions keep working, you know, so it's good enough. Right. Um, cause I think there is a decent argument to be made. Like if you're a solipsist, I don't think there's really anything at any, you've kind of worked yourself into a corner where it doesn't matter what anyone tells you. Right. Nothing you experience can convince you that you're not in an illusion or maybe you just have to talk yourself out of it. That's your only way out. Right. Or well, I, okay. I guess maybe that's not true. Because if you could talk yourself out of it, maybe someone still could talk you out of it, right? Someone could lead you into the reasoning. Well, yeah, but I feel like yeah. now you're you're dealing with the same kind of situation that egoists find themselves dealing with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, trying to know in a way that... Trying to know, trying to know things for sure that you can't know for sure mm-hmm. and pretending like it isn't a choice. Except at least for an egoist, they acknowledge that it's a choice. And they, enhance, they embrace the fact that it was a choice. At least then there's some moral culpability. Whereas a solipsist just pretends or genuinely believes that they don't have a choice. Or they do, but they can't make that choice or it doesn't matter. Like, I don't know. I don't know what you call that. 
or a determinist maybe yeah, doesn't believe that they know, have a choice. Yeah, I don't know if solipsism has anything to do with that. Yeah. Uh, that's an interesting sidebar. Are there determinant uh determinants? Are we talking about matrices now? Like, no, no, no. Um are there determinist solipsists and indeterminate solipsists? I'm sure. That's weird. We need to meet one of these people and invite them on the show. I don't know that I do want to meet one of these people, to be honest. Well, we're not going to have them actually come visit. We'll do it remote, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I don't want them to get a negative opinion about us and we cease to exist. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, I guess back to the top. Can we even actually objectively claim objective things? No. No, that's the problem. And that's, I think, that's going to ruffle some feathers or twist up some jimmies, you know? Yeah, it is not possible for us to actually know things for sure. Except in the negative case, we can we can prove things false, but we can't prove things true. I guess, yeah. Right. I mean, we could, we could make a prediction, and if it doesn't come true, we know that that prediction is false. If anything other than what we predicted happens, we know we're wrong. Yeah. Um... But we can never know that we're actually right, even if the prediction comes true, because there, it, it might have been a coincidence, right, that we had all like some other details that we were taking for granted happened to be true, but they're not always true. Well, that's kind of why we're seeing scientific progress and things that we thought just work and still just appear to work all the time. Like Newtonian physics is pretty good right, at making some predictions. Yeah. Works great on Earth most of the time. Yeah. Most of the time. Until we're trying to do stuff that's really, really small. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it don't exactly predict the same way. And so, and that's frustrating, I think, because we love for things to be simple. But it, it, just go look at any of these constants and then... Yeah. It's really small things and really fast things. That's when Newtonian physics breaks. But otherwise, it's pretty good. Yeah. So... I hope that's satisfying enough for us to talk a little bit about objectivity that to get started now into that conversation. Now that we're like halfway through the hour. It, it's, it has to be that way. Cause I feel like if you jump too quickly into the conversation about objectivity, people just begin to assert things are objectively true. Yes. And then if you were to ask them, how did you objectively reach the conclusion that this is objectively true, which you should be able to do. I would assert. Mm-hmm. And I would think that anyone who believes that they hold something as objectively true, if you hold that belief, I think you should also be able to hold the belief that you can objectively arrive at that objective truth, right? The problem is that that doesn't seem to be transferable to other people. Um, like, for example, I love picking on the religious example because this is a great place where people just love to just straight up just say, objectively, this, thus, other objectively things. And it's like, well, hold on there, Buster. Let's. How'd you get there? How'd yeah. you get there? Well, well, naturally, because objective thing I asserted, I asserted thing earlier. That was, thing that I intuited and assumed was obviously true to everybody else. <laughs> because it's objective is just objective I said so. And I said so. And if you don't get it, you're dumb. Overlooking the fact that I said so means that it's subjective. Exactly. (laughs) Um, So now that we've gotten that out of the way, 
I think there's also kind of a gamut about just how much I said so things are because that's yes. another thing. So I, I want I want to go straight in. Go for, for it for like the Raw big the big one that people say is objective that isn't mathematics. Yep, I thought you were gonna go there. <laughs> My field. Yes. yes, there's your time to shine, Buckaroo. Uh, we made it all up. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of it. Um, the end. <laughs> Good night. But David, one plus one equals two. Cool. What's one and what's two? Oh, we we decided what that is. That's defined. Right. Yeah, there's definitions of one and two. I think I've used this analogy before. or Well, or I guess explanation, really. It's not really an analogy. Uh, what is two? Well, if I say that I have two apples, there's nothing two about the apples. No. Two is just a short... Two apples is a shorthand for an apple and an apple. Yeah. Right. Because saying that I have an apple and an apple and an apple and an apple for a long time is very cumbersome. Even for that long is cumbersome. Um, Which is funny that we actually used to do it that way, but go on. I don't know how long we actually did things like that. I imagine it wasn't very long. That's... I imagine at least some counting numbers existed very early. Or, well, I mean... Okay, let's take a step back. Representations existed before numbers, right? If I if I needed to communicate to you across a long distance that I had apples, and I just drew a picture of three apples, like apple, 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 and sent it to you, you could get well, the I, point. Well, I think that we had counting numbers probably before we were writing anything. Maybe. Well, yeah, maybe just hash marks or something like that. How many lions did you see out there? Well, <laughs> this, is why, this is why they're called digits. Right, we have fingers. This yeah. many. Now, I'm not holding up three lions, right? Right. And this is actually kind of terrible that this is a voice-only thing. I'm holding up three fingers, for the yeah. record. I now, think everyone figured that out, but yeah. I hope so. <laughs> um, our listeners are smart. They knew what I was doing. Um, but yeah, these three fingers are not the lions, but each finger represents a lion. Right. So anyway, one happens to look a lot like a finger. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. So mathematics is all made up. Um, yeah, even, even the most basic stuff, uh, and it all, it all is defined in terms of what we call axioms, which are, which, and the axioms are the real we decided part. Yeah. And we try, mathematicians try very hard to have as few of those as possible. Most of the time they're trying to do that because, well, the more axioms you have, that means the more assumptions you're making, which is more opportunities to get things wrong. Um, so you want to have as few axioms in your number system or whatever system. It doesn't have to be a number system either. Mathematics goes beyond numbers. Um, you want to have as few axioms as possible. And then the rest we prove as, uh, you know, things that follow from the, from the axioms and those are called theorems. Um, but yeah, that all, all, all the math that you've ever been taught is philosophically based on assumptions that we call axioms. And really, they shouldn't even be called assumptions because that assumes that we're talking about objective reality, which mathematics doesn't actually do, by the way, because there's also <laughs> even things that you think might relate to objective reality, like geometry, right? Geometry seems like it has a pretty firm basis in reality, except no, because none of the geometric shapes actually exist. There's no such thing as a circle. Or a straight line. Or a straight line. It's an imaginary thing. It's an imaginary concept that we use to understand the world, but it's not real. Um, so, yeah, uh, math math is all is all made up. Yeah, and if you look at what the underlying axiom postulates, well, this is funny because the Wikipedia article actually breaks down the difference between an axiom, a postulate, or an assumption. 
um that's taken to be true like these are some really basic things like oh yeah it's super basic philosophy like, yeah for example what the the first list of postulates is that it's possible to draw a straight line from any point to another point mm-hmm. it's not but for the sake of our yo trust me bro <laughs> um we can we'll say it's also impossible it's it's possible to extend a line segment continuously in both directions forever forever yeah you can't also is impossible let's say you can yeah if i draw this little arrow here you know what i mean so yeah and then uh it goes on but but then things like parallel postulates which is like now which you needed to have the straight line and the line segment extends to forever postulates to build on top of Mm -hmm. which is that if they're both going in the exact same direction they'll never intersect they'll never intersect that makes it parallel yeah right and then you need those things to start talking about then you need another postulate which is a things which are equal to the same thing are also equal to each other yes that is the uh oh what, which one is that that's the um equivalence no i don't know if it has a special name it's not the commutative property there's a property. Oh, the associative property? Mm, no. I don't know. It's, it's for equality. It's, it's, uh, it's not in here. It, it's, it's, it's something with the word transfer, I think. Something like that. Anyway. Um. It, yeah. Translate. If A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. Right. It's that. Yeah. Things that... That's it, an axiom. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Wait, wait, what? Yeah, yeah, but it is. <laughs> but you need that plus those well, other postulates yeah, I, I mentioned earlier. A good axiom is a definition because that's what we mean when we say things are equal. That's one right. of the things we mean when we say they're equal is that if two things equal a third thing, then they equal each other. Yeah. And it just goes up from there. Like numbers are a whole thing. There's a whole study about that. How do you? How does one define, in as simple a term as possible, a number? Well, there set. are many. Yeah, yeah, a number system. Yeah, yeah. Because, well, because okay, here a number set. The natural numbers one, two, three, four, forever. That's the natural numbers. But that's not a number system. That's just a list of things or a set of of right. things with names. Um, a number system would have like arithmetic, right? So, the natural numbers and addition that's a number system right how do you get from one to two and then people start drawing number lines and it's like well let's and i think that's one of the reasons why like as, as an aside a lot of people got real but hurdy about um one of the common core things which was doing math on number lines people were like this is unintuitive well actually it's just as intuitive as the way you explained it but once you have a pretty good understanding of these things that you take for granted it's really hard to switch you know, mm-hmm. um, but to someone who only ever knew about the concept of one being is it's just some distance between two points. And then two is just another one of those distances. It's twice that distance. Yeah. Which is just defined. And then all numbers from that point forward are defined in terms of that original distance. And then you start that changes the way you look at addition, which is you're going the same distance. Some distance distances of right. time well we're we're sticking these two lengths on each other right yeah yep if you're wanting to do subtraction it's i'm going to go this distance then travel back some other distance and right. then arrive at a different destination which is the new answer right and then and so on right that that just seems like why are you making math why are you making adding and subtracting harder it's like well we're not it necessarily 
yeah, we're just thinking about it differently. Right. And there are kind of maybe reasons that we're doing that because it lets you figure it out from first principles, right? Yeah. If I walk eight paces and then walk back to where am I is easier to figure out from first principles than just memorizing that eight minus two is six. Well, and if you're getting into more advanced mathematical concepts where, especially nowadays, like I was watching a three blue, one brown video, I forget, is it power series that he was talking about P values? Sure. Is that the one you were, you showed me where they were solving equations by moving into just different number systems to make easy. That's like half of three blue, one brown's videos. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) just to not get it way too complicated. Some problems are just easier to deal with in different number systems. And the one that most people probably heard about maybe at some point in your education was the imaginary numbers. Well, the complex number system. The complex number system. It's the the actual useful number system that uses imaginary numbers. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a terrible name. Yeah, it is. Okay. Quick aside about imaginary numbers. What are they? Because all numbers are imaginary, by the way. We we just talked about that. Um, Okay. Squaring. When you multiply something by itself, Mm -hmm. i.e. if you had a square whose sides were of length, whatever, what's its area? That's the square of the thing. Right. Okay, the square root. If I have a square with this area, how long are its sides? That's right. the square root. Cool. What's the square root of negative one? Well, a square with an area of negative one doesn't make sense. Yeah, because you can't have negative distance. You can't have yeah negative area. It. It's not even like a whole. It, it doesn't. It, it's incomprehensible, right? So we right. just we decided for a long time that that is undefined. We don't know what that is. But then we were like, hmm, what if we imagine that there is a square root of negative one? Cool. Call it I. And that's imaginary numbers. We just have this imaginary constant that is the square root of negative one, whatever that is. It's not a real number, which we also called the the rest of the numbers. We called them real numbers because they're not imaginary, even though they are. Uh, (laughs) uh, So, yeah. So that's. I don't want to go deeper into math. I'm tired. No, um, we don't need to do that. This isn't a math I think show. Point taken. Math is all made up, but the rules do matter. And I think that's the other thing. That I guess the last thing we'll, well say about uh, math. Yeah, I, I guess the thing, the thing about axioms being definitional and, and trying to make as few assumptions as possible is because the reason why people think that math is objective is because we have made number systems and other mathematical systems trying to correlate them with the reality that we see right to be useful right like again with geometry right imagining things in terms of these simple shapes is useful because there are things in the real world that approximate those theoretical shapes and so then if we can learn things about triangles and squares and circles and stuff like that well then when we see something in the real world that's pretty close to a circle or a square or whatever we can make those same assumptions and be basically right right well and, and even things as simple as numbers right like your number system, like, okay, measuring systems are also just made up. Why mm-hmm. is a foot a foot and an inch an inch? Because that's how big the king's foot was. But. The, yeah, whatever. You <laughs> know, whatever. Why is a meter a meter? Like, And and I'm going to go ahead and take a moment to talk about why the imperial system is superior. Um, <laughs> but but what's the point? Like, why The king we, really did have the best foot. He, um, he did. <laughs> um, but like, why, for example, in the imperial system, like there's some things about it that make a lot of sense when you think about how to count so most of us learn to count on our full fingers right mm-hmm. so there's 10 of them and mostly mostly and then the number system that derived from that moving between tens is easy most people can compute 10 percent of 10 
right by One. moving the decimal place like yes. that that's the shortcut we know right we use a we use a base 10 numeral system yes but if you look at the inch why are there 12 of these all of a sudden to one the next unit base 12 right well because 12 is divisible by more things whole numbers yeah and if you look at your hand and you hold up the four digits not your thumb and then look at the segments in each one there's 12 of them yeah you can count that way too by the way and it's way more powerful i highly recommend it i started doing that and it really helps with quick maths i saw a okay Links in the show notes for for two videos about number systems. Even though this is really not what the or not, no sorry not even number systems numeral systems, um, it's the symbols we use to represent numbers. Yes. Yeah. Um. So, two videos. One by my favorite Jan Misely, um, in which he suggests that base six is actually the best numeral base. <laughs> and another by a different guy who responds directly to everything in Jan Misely's video. And says that no, actually, binary is the best. Okay. Even when it comes to writing down numbers and as cumbersome as writing binary can be, um, it is interesting. Um, but yeah, if you're if you like, if you're a David listener, yes, yes. If you if you like the the brief moments during the show when I open my mouth, then <laughs> you'll enjoy these. <laughs> For the too hard didn't watch bucket, i.e. the Joe listener, I agree. I I have a hard time stomaching Yam Misali videos for a long period of time. You just hate truth. I really do. You know, it just doesn't make sense. So anyway, that's math, numbers, number systems, all the things. The big thing that people say is objective, but isn't. Do you have any other examples? Well, I think there are other things that people just take as... Well, I guess morality was already mentioned. Morality was mentioned. And I feel like once you get beyond the God complex on that one, it gets pretty easy to deal with. But I think there are other things that are just taken as truth. So like, let's talk about experiences and biases, right? Mm -hmm. So I think this is another area where it's important, where I think people get beat over the head with, something once you accept it's true and maybe it discourages people from accepting truth and that is that we cannot be objective right um no for all the reasons just previously stated right we talked about how we are subjective beings and and only exist within our own experience yeah and i feel like it's easy to get kind of defeatist about that and say well if i can't be objective then what's the point well you don't have to be but we can get close enough we can get close enough which is what science is doing yeah which was also mentioned and then but where's the science of morality? Because mm-hmm. we, we've, we've taken it on ourselves to do the science for just other things that we want to be object- as close to objectively true about as we can. Well, there are objective reasons for your moral feelings. Sure. But I think the big thing that I'm wanting to get to is when someone tells you that, well, you're, and, and this often comes in the form of biases, which is one of the, it's a way you can be subjective. And we're often informed that, hey, that's just like your opinion, man, or you, well, you're you just biased. And I feel like there's a lot of people trying to check their biases yes. constantly. Yes. I, I think I think back back to a, an early question in this episode of why does everyone want to claim to be objectively right? So you don't have to deal with this. Right. Yes. And, and, and that, that's kind of like the, that's the backdoor way of saying I'm objectively right is saying, well, you're biased. Yeah. Yeah. Say you're biased, therefore you're operating subjectively. I'm not biased. Um, And I don't need to change. I have the truth. Yeah. Yes. But 
we're all biased. That's part of being human. Right. And I think it's also equally a cop out to just say, well, everyone's biased. It's like, that's also true. But just because that's true doesn't mean that we shouldn't then turn around and just ignore bias. Right. Because, yeah, it'll get us in trouble. Yeah. And so... And not just socially speaking. I mean, yeah, you'll, you will make wrong assumptions based on your biases. And if you make wrong assumptions, you won't figure out the truth and you won't get to do what you're trying to do. Yeah. So what what to do then? It's like, well, because I can I can feel your frustration, but you're telling me that I'm always going to be biased, which means, and I think maybe this is the thing I'm trying to get at. Bias doesn't mean wrong. Correct. That's yeah. the biggest you can, thing. You can be biased and also right. Yes. Um, the important thing about acknowledging biases is that if you if if you're if you are actually trying to do science, then you need to design your experiment in such a way that it eliminates the effect of bias right mm -hmm. this is why we do double blind tests for like testing drugs and things like that where the the patients who are being given the treatment don't know whether they're getting a real treatment or a placebo and the nurses and doctors giving the treatment don't know if they're giving the real treatment or a placebo right um and this this eliminates the possibility of anyone's bias leaking into the results yeah but even about things that are more day-to-day -day in life you know um when someone points out a bias about something a little bit more soft than that where it's like hey why did you cross the street when that person was down the road from you and you would have crossed their path you know if if you hold negative opinions or maybe unfair opinions which is what a lot of people are talking about when they're talking about your biases it's easy to call out and say that it is that's just a bias you have and that if you didn't have that bias you wouldn't have done that and without ever giving a moral assertion i've kind of just implied to you that your bias was to do the wrong thing mm -hmm. when i think it's hard for people to stop and say well wait what why was me crossing the street a bad thing was me crossing the street the bad thing? Or are you looking at that as a symptom of a bad belief that I have? Mm -hmm. And to be fair, it depends on what we're talking about. Because sometimes it doesn't matter what your belief is. The thing you did was bad. And keeping this in mind, because someone else said so. Mm -hmm. Or the action that you did. Or, so that just did that one. Or the thing that you did that wasn't by itself wrong. But the reason you did it was wrong. Because right someone else said so and it's so easy to conflate these two things and as long as you label one a bias both can be wrong and and that sucks because where do these biases come from and you don't know you don't they know. come from the same place as your moral intuitions do they but your experience yes yeah your experience and your genetics right and so I think that that's ignored a lot. And I also think that it's a bit, I, I personally do not, I, I like being aware of like why I believe the things I do and it's just acknowledging when I don't have a good reason, but it's good enough for now because pragmatism, which is why it's the best philosophy ever. Welcome to pragmatism, the channel, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but it's real easy to like, feel like you're getting browbeat though. 
by something that it worked pretty good so far, even if it you could assume that it was for a bad reason, you know? Like, why did you cross the street when you see this big burly dude walking down the street towards you? It's like, well, in my experience, people like that can beat me up. No, I'm not saying this man will. Yeah, I have no reason to believe this particular person is going to or has any reason to. But... but if he wanted to, I would be safer if I were farther away. I could run, yeah. Yeah. So I'm gonna. And people may not like that. It's like, well, why are you so negative, assuming people will beat you up? It's like, I'm not even saying that he would. I'm just saying that he could. And then it gets into the whole thing. But like, it's... Yeah. I'm weighing my odds. I'm weighing my odds. If this goes south, <laughs> I'm putting myself in a more favorable situation. And And I find, though, that most people, when you... If I were to say that, it's very easy for people to be dismissive of the reason that you give for your actions and then for them to assert their own reason because, well, you're biased and you're not aware of it. And I don't know, like that just bothers me because there's a taste of that. Well, it's objectively true that you're biased. Well, it is. Yeah, but because that's an objective opinion, your subjective biased opinion is wrong. I feel like that's the sh that's that's the yeah, short circuit. Yeah, but also that's you happening. saying that something is wrong is subjective. So, yep. <laughs> and then we end up in this circle of, you know, of subjective but versus I mean, subjective. I, okay, you know, I, I guess I suppose the case can be made though, right? Our goal, we care about the truth. Yeah. Um, and so in that sense, right? If someone points out that hey, you made a decision because of your biases right then i think as someone who cares about the truth maybe you ought to examine that and say okay well what you know what consequences is it gonna what what, what are the consequences if i'm doing this only because of my bias and i'm actually mistaken about it right but then you you can weigh those right so like the walking across the street because you have a bias about somebody that you see is that really hurting anybody it might Okay. Let's say it does. Let's say that that big burly guy had got his feelings hurt because he's... I don't really care about other people's feelings, but 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 that's the point is the third party person does apparently that's saying that you did a bad because now they're upset because you made them upset. Boohoo. Um, I'm I'm mitigating a risk, right? And I don't care if that upsets somebody. Yeah. Now, if we take this to another context where it could matter, let's say you're reviewing job applications. Oof. Yeah. And you make an assumption about somebody because of their name. Hmm. Do you want to use the positive case here? Uh, okay. I was just going to provide an example. Sure. All right. You're hiring a computer programmer and you get two stacks of, you get two resumes in front of you. You get a John Smith and a Sung Lee. It's like, hmm. Well, if you were to look at the number of people who work at, you know, mm -hmm. Google that happen to have that job, which most companies look at other prestigious companies to see what yeah, they're people doing. People are not very original and creative, so they just copy what the, the guy who's winning is doing. Right. And if you notice that there's a bunch of people that probably have the name sung lee because that's not a very american name or at mm -hmm. least not a traditional english name right like john smith is right hmm you might start you you may subjectively start connecting some dots like oh, okay i'm gonna build a mental picture of these two people john smith generic mm -hmm. white guy in his 20s and then sung lee generic asian man in his 20s 
looked at Google. Google's staffed a lot by, well, Asians in their engineering department. You might start extrapping up some things about yes. maybe which one you should hire. Right? But yes. Now, but now you're making a decision that affects potentially the course of somebody else's career. And your company. Yes, and your company's uh, trajectory. Success, trajectory, yeah. yes. Um, based on a bias. Yep. An assumption not related to the credentials right. or actual experience or skills of that applicant. Yep. Yep. This is a place where bias control is more important. Right. Now, do we want to make it even more uncomfortable? Okay. I don't even know that we need to, really. Uh, we, I think I think our listeners are smart enough to know yeah, but I think how this can go the other way. But but I think it's worth saying, you okay. know, like this is the thing that it's gets really uncomfortable about stuff like that, that if statistics are not the, neg- the negative case is why you will be judged for for showing your bias. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well no, that's not what I mean. What I mean is but okay. Let's 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 take okay. the dip where this needs to go. Statistics. Mm-hmm. Are those objective? That's a tricky question, I feel Our like. Statistics object yeah, that we need qualifiers here. It is objective what the numbers that got written down were. Yep. But what they mean, you know. Yeah, what what conclusions we can extrapolate from the data. And so let's take this to the context of standardized test scores. Mm-hmm. So it is objective that these each student got a grade. That is just a true thing that happened. Mm-hmm. And it is just true that the grades fell where they lie. And if we were to have collected demographic information about the students, it is true that you can bulk these statistics based on demographic data. And But the thing is, is that what decision you make or what you think that means or why it means what it means, that's the real subjective part, I think. Mm-hmm. But I think it's it's... I get I get real hesitant when people start talking statistics about that where it's like well obviously poorer people are dumber because they get worse test scores for example which is a you could go find a statistic out there that probably says if we took people bucketed them by income had them all take the same test there's a curve that appears where it's like yes yes people right. towards the correlation the, and causation and such and such right yeah. okay why did it turn out this way is it are these people poor because they're stupid and they don't know how to get money? Right. Or are they poorly educated because they can't afford what they need to get a better education? But now let's go back to the company example. And instead of, I know these names and I'm drawing their inventions, I somehow managed to get their parents' income on the, on the thing, mm-hmm. right? On their on their application. I had them list it. Um if I have that set of data we mentioned before, I have another set of data that shows that based on my company's history, people who had better test scores tended to perform better at work tasks. Mm-hmm. Now I have two data sets that were taken in isolation from each other. Is it still my bias in my opinion to say, well, in that case, I'm going to hire the person who had more money because higher people generally score better on tests. The people who store better on tests generally perform my work function better. Is that now an objective line of reasoning as to why I should hire that person? Now, it's one-dimensional. That's a good thing to point out. Or pretty one-dimensional anyway. Yeah, I think it's a... um... No, that's not... Well, it's not biased. 
because you have you have the stats that you're using to to reason about your yeah high high income correlates with high test scores and then you have just decided that you're going to hire based on high test scores or like that that's a that you decided that that's a useful metric for for finding a, a good candidate for your position that you're trying to fill yep but we're assuming, I guess, that you don't actually have access to the applicant's real test score. Nope. Because otherwise, presumably, you would use that. Of course. But you're extrapolating from a one-step removed uh, datum, which is how much their parents made. <laughs> um, yep. And and assuming about their test score. But, yeah, now you're one step removed, and you could be wrong about that. I could. So it's, I don't, it's not biased, and it's also not subjective but how much you're just I'd... missing information which we always do right we, we, there's always more we could know it's missing information and of course a case could be made that there are more dimensions that you should look at besides what you assume somebody's standardized test score is sure um, that's the thing yeah i think the subjectivity here is all of my opinions about how much that matters right because even if i could measure that uh, right. Well, yeah. I, I guess we were we were getting rid of the how much your your opinion is of how much that matters by leaning on statistics. Right. Someone else measured how much it apparently matters. Right. Yeah. So, does that make that okay though? Even though I'm trying to remove my biases from that, I don't know. I mean, yeah. Define okay. Yeah. I mean. I think that that's probably a poor hiring strategy. I agree. Yeah. If, if all I do is figure out how much a, an applicant's parents made and say whoever had the highest is probably the best one, it's like, well, that that sounds like a recipe for getting some some bad bad uh, candidates. Um, just because just because you had rich parents doesn't mean that you're worth anything. Well, why not? For what whatever are, you're trying to do. What are you assuming about rich kids, huh? No, I'm just kidding. I mean, some of them have great educations, as yeah. as we can extrapolate from our imaginary day that we haven't actually looked at. True, um, but also there there are rich kids who just get handed everything and never had to work for anything, and uh, don't know what it's like to actually work on a real job. And wow, making some real assumptions about rich kids. Though. I am, yeah. We're making assumptions here, yeah. Just like our imaginary employer is making about. But this, but this imaginary employer is making <laughs> assumptions about real data that's objective. But but I guess that's the point I'm trying to that, that's what I'm trying to hit home is I feel like this is a really uncomfortable conversation that sure. most people would have be feel uncomfortable having because mm -hmm. it's it's skirting topics that we all feel uncomfortable about. But the reality is is I think that the reason it's so uncomfortable is because we all don't know what the right thing is, and it's because there isn't a consensus right now. I feel like, and now that being said, just because if we just because we had consensus doesn't mean it was right either because that was equally just i said so we said so right, right. and we've had some bad consensus in the past we've and then we've had some real <laughs> bad consensuses consensi whatever I in the past know. yeah and so i guess the question is though and maybe this is a question for another episode or another time is what's is it better to have a consensus even if it has a bad outcome or is it better to not have consensus because now everyone's just kind of free willying doing what they want but under this like oppression of like the consensus could change at any moment and i might be on the wrong end of that consensus because mm. i think that there's absolutely people out there that are trying to remove their biases from equations and trying to be more objective and they look to things like statistics because 
Does number mean number? Of course it does. That's objective, right? Right. 100 means 100. 80 out of 100 is 80%. See how objective I'm being right now, even though I'm still using math that was also Yeah, but why is 80% the threshold? Oh, you decided? Cool. It's subjective now. <laughs> yeah. You know. Um, and I don't know. I, I feel like it, it all starts to kind of... I think the, uh, the uncomfort we get is not just that, but plus... I'm not relying on my intuitions, which is what I actually do every single day of my life to get by. And so I'm just so used to doing that because guess what? I'm still alive, ain't I? You know, that tiger didn't leap out of the bush and kill me. That may or may not have existed. Doesn't matter. I'm alive, you know? Yeah, it doesn't matter if that rustling in the leaves was the wind or a tiger. I'm still here. Yeah. I'm alive. Confirmed. Yeah. So it was a tiger. Um, yep. And I'm alive and I escaped it. Yeah. Look at me go. Um, so yeah, I think that's the whole thing is... Uh, the world of subjectivity kind of sucks because guess what? We, 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 the rules are made up. Um, what is or isn't right is kind of also all made up and the consensus kind of matters, but only in the way that it depends on whether this group of people can get enough of them together to hurt me over it. You know, um, and once you, I think you kind of get that, it's like, cool, I can kind of just do whatever I want and it's fine. As long as I don't piss off enough people to have them come after me. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, <clears throat> It, it sucks. Uh, and maybe this would be a great beginning segue into next week's episode about subjectivity where we talk about <laughs> how much that matters, maybe, or not. I don't I know. Mean, we kind of talked about that today. Kind of. Maybe coming to consensus and how consensus, how important is consensus when compared to not having a consensus? And then are there right or wrong ways to come con to consensus when we're all equally... How do you deal with it when we are all... Because if you and I have different opinions about those statistics, which one of us has more say over which one of those statistics are valuable? But if we're all starting from a place of we're all being subjective anyway, playing field's e equal. So what do you do? Fight to the death, obviously. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> all right. Well, next week... Uh, whoever... That's objectively the right way to settle disputes. <laughs> Well, that would objectively mean that only one person was able to make the decision. And if you're making decisions alone, you might as well be as good as objectively right. <laughs> so depending on who survives the duel right after this episode, uh, that person might lead you through the rest of it and talk about how they were right next week. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's enough. We'll quit beating the dead horse. Nothing's objective, really, except for things you can't know or subject or know, know that are objective, I guess, is the, the highlight Th of this Things reel. are objective, but it's difficult or impossible to know what they are. So if uh, hopefully when we put the too long didn't read and we skip to the last 30 seconds, that'll be in there plus this ramble. Right? Maybe. Philosophers. Philosophers. If you like the music in this episode, please check out Jippy on Bandcamp at jippy.bandcamp.com. Philosophers is supported by viewers like you. If there's a topic you'd like us to discuss, or a topic you'd like to see revisited in the future, please let us know by contacting us using the methods in the description, or in the comments below. Thank you for listening.